Good morning, happy Sabbath. I'm very happy to be here with you all this morning. Brings back a lot of memories and stuff. I was, uh, you know, Lynn was teaching Sabbath school, and, you know, she reminded me of how little Levi was uh, when I first started pastoring here and then knowing stuff. And I actually have a picture, um, you know, where Noah was born, and he's over here. There used to be a little boat in the cradle room with all the animals. And I'll put on my Facebook, here's Noah playing with his ark. <laughs> but it brings back a lot of memories, and I'm so glad to be able to see some of you all. And I know that there are some of us who are watching um, online and stuff, and I just want to welcome you all. And before we begin, let's have a word of prayer. <clears throat> Dear me, Father, Lord, as we open up your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit, Lord, enlightens our minds, that we may, that we may be able to see you more clearly, Lord, so that we can... Grow closer to you. Lord, I ask this of you in Jesus' name. Amen. At uh, this time, I'm working at this place in, uh, in Sulphur Springs called Lotro. And it's a, it's a very interesting job. It's, a, it's a, made me get a little bit healthier, I guess you can say, because I'm having to walk everywhere. And, and uh, I'm walking about seven miles a day is my estimate. I'm not really sure. And I'm going to go into it a little bit later in my sermon. But uh, it was just a, it's a good time to slow down and be able to spend time with my family, with the boys and stuff. And it, uh, it's good to be able to be back in this district. And I, it, it's interesting. I was talking to somebody, and they're like, well, what's it like coming back to it? I was like, well, you know, first of all, you know, Pastor Eden and I went to school together at Southwestern, and uh, we're good friends. And I was like, I feel like I'm the, the uncle, you know, like... I don't have any other responsibilities. I just, I get to preach, you know, and, and share the good news of Jesus, but I don't, I'm not required to go to board meetings and I'm not required to do this. I'm like, man, this is, it's different. It's pretty nice. You know, I still get to do ministry and stuff, but I don't have all the, the, the responsibilities that he has to be able to manage the three, dist- the three churches and stuff and have little projects and stuff. And I know that y'all have an evangelism here and, and in Paris, so I'll be in, uh, I'll be keeping y'all in prayer. But I was like, it's, it's nice, you know, and even being, um, just having a regular job, you know, it was, it was an adjustment to, to have that. I don't like getting up at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> don't like that <laughs> at all. And uh, I have to wake up at 4.30 in the morning and stuff to be able to work at 6. And, um, but it has been such an amazing opportunity to do ministry because as a pastor, and I'm pretty sure just as an Adventist, we get trapped in our bubble, in an Adventist bubble, where we don't have much contact with the world outside of these walls here. You know, in the Spanish world, we, we refer to each other as hermano or hermana, you know, brother or sister. And I think it's <laughs> my theory. I enjoy it because I have a hard time with names. So I'm like, hey, brother, hey, hermano, como esta? You know, this is why I don't have to say hermano. I'm like, man, I can't remember your name. It doesn't matter anymore because you, it's a generic term. You know, it's kind of like, oh, hey, sister, what's the name? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Hey, sister, oh, hey, brother, you know, it's, just, it's a cheat sheet. You know? <laughs> but it's, uh, that's what we get trapped in. We get trapped in this Adventist bubble, and, and it isn't healthy. It isn't healthy. Um, and I'm seeing this more... And more, you know, with this job that I have right now, God has given me just so many opportunities to be able to witness to people. And I, it has required me more to look at the scripture, not to be able to present it to an Adventist. But how do you present scripture to a non-Adventist? Does that make sense? Because I was having a conversation just this last week with this young man. And he was asking me a question 
Um, this was an honest question and it made me blush. Um, so we're not going to go into what the question was, but this other guy jumped in and he's like, well, it depends on the covenant of his church. I said, I'm sorry, what? He's like, yeah, it depends what the covenant and the rules and bylaws are of the church. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I was like, because I think we should go by with what the Bible says. It's like, yeah, but what does the covenant of the church say? I was like, does it matter? The Bible trumps any covenant of church or rules and bylaws. He's like, well, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, what does their church, their denomination have to say about it? I said, yes, I, I hear what you're saying. But at the end of the day, if I call myself a Christian and a follower of Christ, what scripture says trumps what my church may say on the subject. Does that make sense? Amen. Then he says, huh? Well, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> and it, it's, it's challenges because I've never had this conversation with an Adventist. No Adventist has ever said to me, well, it depends what our constitution and bylaws say. No, it, I mean, we as Adventists have a, a certain language, a certain, we know what, you know, code of conduct is, you know, and I appreciate you, brother, for leading out up here. And you were like, oh, man, I messed up with the order of service. No, that's simple. I remember one time, this might make you feel a little bit, put you at ease. I was uh, doing a communion service. And this is when I had first started ministry, but I had been in ministry for three years. So I should have known how to do this. And I've led out in many communion services, you know, at this point in time when this happened. And my mind went blank when the communion or the order of service happened. Absolutely blank. I could write down how it happens, how the deacons come in, how the elders come in, how the deaconess come and they will unfold the, the emblems and later how they fold them and what every person should say and how we have one praying for this and one praying for I, I know the order of service, but when I went up there, blank. No lights. <laughs> Nothing was happening. And I'm, I'm having to speak to my senior pastor and I, we it played it off pretty well. I went, I don't know what to say. And, and he goes, what? And we would look like, like um, ventriloquists. <laughs> I don't know what to say. So then he was telling me, and we're smiling. You got to say this for her. Like, okay. And he's literally walking me through all of this. And he's very good. You know, he was, uh, he's from Ukraine. Maybe that helped him. I don't know. But he's able to speak in complete sentences. And I can hear what he's saying without him moving his lips. So I'm doing everything. We're playing it so well. I mean... I even have it down. So I'll do the motions, and nobody knows what's going on until the, 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 the bread is handed out, and I'm holding it. And it probably looks like I'm thinking, like, wow, meditating, wow, the bread. I'm thinking, what am I supposed to say now? And he looks, he's looking at me, and I see him looking at me. And I said, man, well, I've wasted, in my mind, this is all happening in my brain, Okay. <laughs> the mind of Hezekiah, and he—I'm like, man, I wasted a lot of time. I better just eat this. So I put it in my mouth, and then I remember, it's like, no, you fool! You're supposed to say, you know, this is my body which is broken for you. So I spit it back out, <laughs> and I've seen him right here. And there's no playing it off then, because they saw me put it in, and I heard the <gasps> from the congregation, and then I go. So, brother, a little bit of differentiation in order of service. Don't let that discourage you. I was just glad to see you up here. We have to continue to serve. Anyways, back to the sermon. Um, 
But it's, you know, it's, a, it's, it's interesting how we as, as Seventh-day Adventists relate to non-Seventh-day Adventists. And in this, in this, in this, this job place you know, where I'm working, um, the, some of the, the owners are Mennonite and some of the people who work there are Mennonite and some of those who are in leadership are Mennonites and stuff. And uh, the guy who interviewed me, you know, asked me what I do. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a minister, but I'm kind of pausing right now. Um, so he was like, oh, wow. Well, what, you know, we started talking a little bit about what we believe and stuff. And, and um, you know, it's just an, a great opportunity to be able to witness. But then it's like God opened the floodgates of being able to witness. And there have been people left and right that I've been able to witness to and been able to share with. And they share with me and stuff. And it's it's been a tremendous blessing. It's been a tremendous blessing. I keep inviting people to church and stuff and like, oh yeah, I should go. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's going to be good to see you there. Well, I haven't said if I'm going to. I'm like, I have faith that you will be there. No, well, it's like, hold on, hold on. I'm not, I might have something happening. I was like, well, I know you're not going to disappoint me. You know, and of course I'm just playing. They never show up, but, <laughs> but I keep praying for them. But I had this opportunity, this, this situation happened where I'm receiving tires and my job seems to be the, the title is very, it's very wordy, you know, so people think, wow, the shipping and receiving, no, I'm, what, is, what am I, inventory control, that's what I am, <laughs> inventory control, oh, wow, that sounds so important, it's not that important, so they're like, wow, you're the inventory control guy, I'm like, yeah, do you know what that is, I don't know, it sounds important, I'm like, yeah. I see what comes in, I check it off, and I sign a paper and give it to them. And if I send something off, I tell you what it is, and I write it off, and that's it. I'm like, it's not an important job. Well, it sounds really important, and you look important doing it. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I, that's what I do right now. I ship and receive stuff. So I'm receiving some tires. And, and I had seen this lady before, and uh, she has a belt buckle, and she has an emblem of her church, and she goes to a cowboy church. And, I'm, and um, I just told her, I was like, no, I just... Got to tell you, I admire you for being a truck driver that delivers tires. Like, I've, I haven't really ever seen a female truck driver. And I was like, you know, it's, it's a cool thing, you know. I was like, you know, you should, you like my wife. My wife is one of these southern girls that's like, you know, if I can do it, I'm going to do it, you know. And has this uh, not independent attitude, but an attitude of I can, I can do this, you know. And so I started talking to her and stuff, and she told me that, how, you know, I told her I lived in Hagensport, and, and uh, she's like, oh, cool. So there was some um, uh, common ground there, because she used to attend the, the uh, cowboy church there in, in Hagensport, and her husband was part of it and stuff, and part of the leadership there. So we started talking about God, and everything was going great. I'm like, man, Lord, this is awesome. This is like the second divine appointment Today, so we're having a conversation and stuff about how God leads and how God asks you to step back or how God may ask you to step in or how God may ask you to witness and all this stuff. I'm like, man, this is awesome, you know. Here I am, thought I was just inventory control guy and now I'm like able to witness to this person. But then the conversation decided to take a very, very strange turn. And she told me, I don't know where... In my, I guess my brain was thinking when she was speaking, and I wasn't really listening to what she was saying. And uh, then she, what popped out in my mind, like something that, like, ding, 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 hey, pay attention, wake up, and listen to what she's saying. She said, you know all those earthquakes? I said, what? Like, yeah, all those earthquakes. You know how usually an earthquake causes a tsunami? I said, yeah. Well, it depends, you know, where the earthquake is. If it happens in Texas, it's not going to cause a tsunami in the Gulf of Mexico. She's like, well, that's because they're not really earthquakes. 
And I was trying to think of a major earthquake that we've had. I was like, man, I can't really think of one, you know? But she was like, she said, all of these major earthquakes we're having. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, well, I know we keep having tremors. And some people say, well, it's because of the fracking. We don't really know. She's like, well, all these major earthquakes that are not causing tsunamis is because the government is making explosions deep down in the earth because they're making cities. I said, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and I swallowed deep. And I said, what? This, you know what it reminded me of? <laughs> I wish I could say, you, have you all ever read the book, uh, The Time Machine? I never read the book. So when people are like, yeah, I read that book. And I, never, I didn't read the book. I watched the movie. And I watched the old movie. You know how they were like, the, there was those people that lived underground? That's what popped out in my head. And that's the direction she went in. I'm not going to say what political party. But she's like, yeah, that political party, they're down there. And they're building these cities for themselves. And I'm, I, when I get nervous, I, I feel awkward. Do I cross my arms? What do I do here? <laughs> and she says, you know those 8 million babies that are, have gone missing around the U.S. in the last year? I said, what? She's like, yeah, those 8 million children that have gone missing around the U.S. I said, no, ma'am, I didn't know there was 8 million of them. She's like, yeah, that political party is eating them. That was my reaction, Amma. And I was a little bit shocked. And I said, whoa. You know, again, I'm like, do I put my hand here? What do I say? What do I do? And I'm trying to think, trying to connect the dots of the conversation we had about where she's talking about God and how we need revival in our lives and how, how our churches need revival to all of a sudden, Bam, there's a major shift of there's earthquakes that are being caused by the government because they're making cities underground and they're eating 8 million children. And I'm thinking to myself, what? She's like, oh yeah, it's all out there. I said, all out where? I'm sorry. She's like, it's all online. I said, oh boy. (laughs) I said, okay. And then it got a little bit stranger. Yeah, you're thinking, How? She said, did you know President Trump is going to become president again January, January 17 of 2022? Have you all ever heard something really, really funny? And you're like about to go, ah, ha, ha, ha. I don't laugh like that. But I laugh. And I snorted. You know, when you slam on the brakes, I went. And because you know what I'm talking about. You're about to laugh. And then you're like, oh, wow, she's being very, very serious right now. Good thing is that her truck was on. It's a semi, so it's pretty loud, so she didn't hear my snort. But I literally slam on the brakes, mid-left, I'm like... (coughs) And my brain felt like it was going to explode because I'm trying to hold in this laughter. Like, what in the world are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah, my head hurt. (coughs) And I'm trying, like, oh Lord, help me right now. Do not let me laugh. (laughs) Because I'm this close to laughing. And my wife is super red. <laughs> That's probably what my face felt like. And I'm like, what? What happened? We went from a nice conversation about how we need a revival and we need Jesus and you know how he's coming again to all of a sudden. The topic went really 
from scripturally based of we need revival, we need Jesus and he brings salvation to online. Y'all see that? On Facebook, the, the Facebook gospel. Ooh, I'm going to coin that term. The Facebook gospel says this. Man, I'm not going to lie. After that conversation, have you ever had a conversation with someone that kind of gives you the chills? And you feel perturbed? That's how I felt. I signed off on those tires as quickly as I could. I don't even think, well, I got a good count. (laughs) Because I love to count for some crazy reason. Can't count past 10, but I love to count. (laughs) So I signed her paper. I was like, here you go. Here's mine. Bye-bye. You know, and I, I, I walked away. Like, do I cross my arms? How do I walk away from this conversation? It, I felt like I had chills. It, it was not an easy conversation. It was, I'm, I was a little bit scared. I'm not being very serious. I, I felt perturbed. And I was praying, Lord, what in the world just happened? How can that conversation go from Man, you'd like my wife, you know, she's kind of a go-getter, country girl and stuff, to all of a sudden, President Trump is going to be president again, January 17, 2022. It's all out there on the Facebook gospel, like that. They're building cities underground because they're, where is this coming from? And she was, the part that worried me the most, the part that really scared me the most, was the fact that she was a leader in her congregation, her and her husband were leaders in, this con- in their congregation. I didn't ask which congregation it was. And they had this ideology. And she's willing to share with a complete stranger. She's probably sharing it in her congregation. It, it brought back a text. I want you all to look to up 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to jump around a little bit. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 16 through 17. And you know, the, Paul, the relationship that Paul has with Timothy, I see it as, as the relationship that I have with my uncle. My uncle's a pastor and he's living in Mexico and, and um, uh, he's just, just an amazing guy. He was a minister for many decades and um, he was one of these pastors that since he's my uncle, he gives me advice. And one of the biggest pieces of advice that he gave me, he was actually in tears. He said, take care of your family. Take care of your wife. Take care of your kids. The church will not care about them. You take care of them. And he was telling me this in tears. Okay, because he didn't do that. So he's essentially telling me, don't make the same mistakes that I've made. That's how I see Paul and Timothy. Where Paul is sharing with Timothy what his heart, what is on his heart. Trying to get him to understand, Timothy, this is what you must do. Because you are like my son. I love you so much. So he says this, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, and it says, All scripture is inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So it's interesting because Paul is telling Timothy, and I'm sure Timothy knew this, because his mother and grandmother, Lois and Eunice, had been there to instruct Timothy. Saying, and Paul even tells him, Timothy, reignite that fire that they put in you. 
But Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, Scripture, remember, Scripture is so important. It is essentially what makes a man complete. It is what makes a man whole. Without Scripture, you cannot be complete. Have you ever read something in, in, in Scripture and you're like, oh man, that's too tough. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm going to list read something a little bit easier today. Have you ever done that? Yeah. You know, when you get to the genealogies, <laughs> when you get to the book of Numbers or Chronicles and you're like, you know, you're trying to read and you're dozing off. Even that, God put it in there for us, for our benefit. You know, waking up at 4.30 in the morning, as I'm driving to work, it's about a 40-minute drive. I'm sure it takes 25 minutes. But I take the scenic route. <laughs> I just drive slow. You know, at that time in the morning, there's all kinds of critters. I've hit a couple of critters, unfortunately. <clears throat> but I, I listen to my Bible. And I'm not going to lie. Sometimes when I, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to listen to the book of Ephesians. And in a 40-minute drive, I could listen to a couple of the Gospels of, of Paul. So I press play. In my brain, if I'm not careful, I'm, I'm, I'm there physically. I'm, my ears are listening, but my brain is daydreaming. Did I count that correctly? Did I order that material? I should be expecting this material. I'm like, oh, hey, pay attention, pay attention. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. But it seems to happen whenever I'm listening to one of Paul's writings. Forget about it. When I got to the book of Deuteronomy, I had the hardest time trying to focus. But Paul tells Timothy, all scripture, all of it is inspired by God. All of it. So we go to um, the scripture reading today was what? Isaiah chapter 28 verse 10. If you have it, please look it up. Isaiah chapter 28 verse 10. It says, for precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, and there a little. Does Isaiah seem to repeat a lot? What is, what is Isaiah trying to say here when he's writing these words here? You can go ahead and just read whatever you want. You can go ahead and just say whatever you want. No, he says, precept or truth has to be upon truth, upon truth, upon truth. We went to uh, Mexico one time on a mission trip, Anna and I, and um, I, I just love mission trips. So we were down there and stuff, and they were like, we always build stuff, build, build walls or, or build this or build that. And then we get there, and they're like, yeah, um, the, the guy who's speaking, he's like, Carly, we actually have a, a demolition to do. I said, wait, what? We're going to knock something down? Of course, boys were like, yeah, we get to destroy stuff. So we had to demolish a building. And we're like, well, why, why are we demolishing a building? You know, you're thinking to yourself, well, because maybe they want to build a bigger one. That wasn't the case. The issue was that when they built this, this little church, most buildings in Mexico are made out of cinder block. Okay? Cinder block, in order to have a strong wall, has to have a foundation, correct? Common sense. James, am I correct? Correct. correct. Can you put cinder block on dirt? And just build walls in a church? Can't. You can, but it's going to fall down. There we go. <laughs> you can, but it will fall down. And that's what was happening to this church. And the problem was that it has one of those, you know, in a lot of churches, a lot of places in Mexico have flat roofs. And it's made out of concrete. 
Well, the walls were beginning to bow out and the roof was actually caving in so much that that was the Dorcas room. The ladies didn't want to go in there anymore. <laughs> they didn't want to do any more community service because they're like, any minute now, that sucker is going to cave in and it's going to, it's going to kill someone because they didn't put a, a, a foundation. They just started, well, that looks level. Okay, let's start putting the cinder block down. That's not how you do something. And then we had to come back and correct it. And it was so much fun. By the time I got there, everything had been caved in and stuff. But then, you know, the boys get out there and we had these sledgehammers and we're like, yeah, let's see who can break the most. And we're out there just trying <laughs> Just being boys and stuff and, you know, showing off. Oh, I can carry more in my card. Oh, I can carry more. But that all happened because they did not build the walls on a foundation. It's the same thing. That's what, Paul, that's what Isaiah is saying here. For precept must be upon precept and precept upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line. Here a little and there a little. The issue is when so many people, they... The, the reason we have so many doctrines, so, so many beliefs, and so many ideas is because we read one, one scripture and say, that's it. That is what builds absolute truth. That's not what Isaiah is saying. He says, you take the entire Bible, everything that has ever been written, inspired by the Holy Spirit, by holy men, everything to be able to build truth. We cannot listen to the Facebook gospel. Precept upon precept, precept upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, and there a little. Everything has to be very precise. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, verse 23 and 25. We know this passage, we know it. It says, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. The issue it happens, the, the thing happens is when, when we read the Bible, when we read Scripture, and say, okay, well, I've read enough of that. What does, what does Google have to say about this? What do all of these other, what, what are other denominations saying about this? When we go somewhere else to find truth, rather than continuing to study the Bible, you know, that's how, that's how <laughs> those great men and women who started our denomination, they were taking concordance. They didn't have Google. I remember when I first started doing, a, started studying theology and stuff, we didn't, you guys remember dial-up? I do the worst sound effects. But y'all know what I'm talking about. Those of you who do dial-up or did dial-up, it took forever. Then you're like, hmm. Just to look up a Bible verse, Isaiah chapter 20, verse 10. Yeah, it took forever. So I was like, you know what? Forget this nonsense. We had a concordance, which has every single word in the Bible. It tells you where to find it. That's how you did Bible study. You want to know truth? Look at what the Bible says. Period. Nothing else. That is how we find absolute truth. So, here in uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 23 and 20, 24 and 25, Jesus tells us in the last days there's going to be what? A lot of false what? A lot of false teachers, a lot of false Christ, a lot of false prophets. 
who, go out, who are going to go out there and they're going to listen to something that somebody said online and they have all these facts and figures and stuff. And they say, this is what's going on. This is truth. This is what these people are doing. Or that, that's what the government is doing over here. This is what we need to be doing. I'm sorry, but if it doesn't come from the Bible, we don't need to be listening to it. Because that's what Jesus said. It will even fool the elect. It can fool the elect. And if I'm one of these people that's just curious, I'm like, well, I want to go see what he says. I know the Bible well enough. There's no such thing as well enough. I know it okay. Well, I, I can't be fooled. I'm going to go listen to what he says. I'm going to go listen to what she says. No. Listen to what the Bible says. Nothing else. And if something deviates from Scripture, we don't need to be listening to it. Another passage is um, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20. We all know this passage as good Seventh-day Adventists, but we're going to look at what the Bible says. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20. To the law and to the testimony, if they what? If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. What word is this speaking about? This. The Holy Scriptures. If there's something that does not speak according to what this says, don't listen to it. You can't. You know, to finish off, so with this job, I don't think it's my age. My knee hurts. <laughs> it's a knee that I've had two surgeries on. My ACL was taken out, and it was replaced with some other part of my body. I don't know. I was asleep, so I didn't watch the surgery. Then they fit, tried to fix my meniscus. It didn't work, so then I have to go back later and have the meniscus fixed or taken out. I don't remember what happened. Again, I was under surgery, so I don't know what they did. And everything was fine until this job. And I was like, man, you know what? I remember the first day I had these boots. And I was, I was like, man, I don't know. I'm just going to buy some the cheapest boots. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to buy the cheapest boots and get some nice insoles. I'll be okay. So I went and I got the cheapest steel toe boots that I could. It was like 80 bucks or something like that. Put some insoles. Oh, my word. My feet. I was literally doing this number. Trying to give my feet a break. Every once in a while, I used to kick off my boots. Every time I had a break, I'd take off my boots. I was like, my feet are killing me. I, they hurt. And I was like, well, I wonder how much I'm walking. Hmm. So I put it on my phone. I was like, you know, one of those step trackers and distance trackers. One day it was nine miles in a warehouse with concrete floors. It's like, I've never walked this much. Maybe on the platform. <laughs> I hope I have to ask Charles that one. <laughs> how much do I walk up there? But I, my feet were killing me. I was like, man, plantar fasciitis like plantar fasciitis it's not my age it's not my age it's not my age it's not my age this would happen to anybody I kept telling myself this my feet were killing me so finally with some help of my mom she's like mijo go get yourself some good shoes I'm like I don't I'm, I'm a man I'll suck it up I'll cry about it when I get home <laughs> so I got these other boots put those on I was like man what a world of difference but my feet still hurt my, now my knee is hurting It'll even wake me up at, at nighttime. And one time I even took a leave. You know, I was like, man, this hurts too much, my knee. So I took some leave. 
So I got a different phone and stuff, and I got the Google Fit app and stuff that's supposed to tell you how much you walk because I didn't have the other phone that had the app naturally in it. So this Google Fit app said, you walk five miles today. I was like, no, I didn't. I had to have walked about eight or nine. That's how I feel. I walked about eight or nine. I was like, this is broken. There's no way. I was walking so much one day, and now I'm walking just five miles. I'm like, this is, I'm doing a lot of complaining for just walking five miles. This, this can't be accurate. This is broken. So I went... I was like, I know what I'll do. I'll use the app that a certain insurance company recommends to keep track of your health and stuff and how many steps you take. It's called Strava. It's like, I'll put that up. That one's the most accurate. So I went and downloaded that app and stuff. And it's like, all right, this is going to tell me the truth. Because my old phone says I'm walking seven to nine miles a day. This one, which is obviously broken, says I'm only walking four to five. Like, There's no way I'm only walking four to four, not five miles. You know, I had to be walking just as much as I was before. So I get the Strava. 16 miles? I'm like, there's no way I walk 16 miles. I know I walk a lot, but I'm not walking no 16 miles. It's nice to be able to brag about that. It's like, hey guys, you walk a mile? Ha ha ha, 16 miles according to my phone. So which one do I believe? It, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I'm still hurting just as much. But I was like, there's got to be something that actually works. So I put it on Facebook. I was like, hey, what do I do here? This one says I'm walking this much. I was like, I know I'm not walking this much. Then one of my friends says, you know what you need? You need a watch. One of those smart watches. like, oh, great. Spend more money on something else. All because I want to know how far am I walking every day? Because I'm like, I'm going to try to be healthy. I even went and got some salads. My mom looked at me was like, are you okay? You're going to eat salad for lunch? I'm like, yes, I'm going <laughs> to try to lose this baby right here. <laughs> But my body hurts and stuff. So I was like, I want to know how much I'm walking, how much I'm actually exercising. I don't know. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. What I'm getting at is this. This world throws a lot of truth out there. I get a bunch of messages. Hey, pastor, you got to check out this. Oh, hey, pastor, you got to check that out. Hey, pastor, you got to listen to what this person says. Hey, pastor, you got to listen to what that says. If they are not speaking according to what the Word of God says... I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to listen to it because there's opinions. Every single person has an opinion. But if that opinion or that that knowledge isn't based on what the Bible says, I'm not going to listen to it. One app tells me I'm walking nine miles a day, eight miles a day. One says I'm walking four to five miles a day. The other one's saying I'm walking 16 miles a day. Which one is truth? Which one is truth? The only way I'd be able to to know how far I'm actually walking is if I had some sort of tape measure Measuring each one of my steps from the back of my heel to the tip of my toe. And that's the only real way I'd be able to do it. That's what would tell me you actually, you walked this amount of distance today. That's what the Bible actually does for us. There's a lot of, a lot of ideas floating around in the world right now. We can, we can learn so much about God with the, with the advancements of the internet. I mean, everything's in our fingertips. We now have, five, have five, 5G LTE or something. I don't have 5G LTE. I think I still have... It says you have 4. I was like, I don't have no 4G LTE. This is still too slow. We have so much knowledge at our fingertips. But we can also be lied to just that quickly. Just that quickly. We are living in times where Satan is out there. What does Peter say he is? Out there like a roaring kitty cat? Like a roaring lion. 
like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. These ideas, these, these concepts, these <laughs> conspiracy theories, brothers and sisters, they have no place in the heart of a follower of Christ. I'm not saying not to be aware of what the world is going on and what's going on in the news and stuff. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is everything needs to be measured up to this. Because this, the scriptures, the, the word of God is what gives us life. It's what gives us hope. When I was speaking to this lady at first, I was like, man, this is awesome. Get to meet another Christian. And then her idea started to creep in. When I left that conversation, do you think I felt closer to God? Only because I was scared. <laughs> Only because I was scared. I was having a conversation with this young man. He's a welder and stuff. He's a, he's a big boy. And just the nicest guy. And I told him, you know, I was a pastor and stuff. He's like, oh, cool. I was going to go into ministry. I'm still thinking about it. So we get to talk and stuff. And, and um, I was talking to this other young lady that I was trying to get her. She's a welder. I was trying to get her to come to church. And I was sharing with her a little bit of the story of Samson and Delilah. And then he jumped in. <clears throat> He's like, hey, do you mind if I tell her the story? I'm like, no, man, go ahead. I got to go count some stuff. So he told her the story of Samson and Delilah. And he was so excited. He was so excited to be able to share this. And every time I have, I have a conversation with him about Bible stories, I'm like, man, that's awesome. That's what it needs to be about. When you have a conversation with someone about the Bible, about the Bible, whatever, whatever Bible truth it is, it should leave someone with, with hope. If the person is left in turmoil, you drop the ball somewhere. Because Christ has... He has come to give us hope. He's come to give us life. He's come to give us eternal life. And if somebody is spoken to about the Bible and they're left hopeless and in fear and with shame and with doubt, we left something out somewhere. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is coming soon. There is no doubt about that. And that gives me hope. Because I know He's coming to give me life and Forever, I know I will be able to see my loved ones again. I'll be able to see my dad again. And it gives me hope. This is what we must be bringing to other people. The word of life, not the word of doubt. We need to be presenting the gospel according to God. Not the gospel according to Facebook. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you so much. Lord, because you love us so much that you left your word to us. And Lord, the most amazing part is that you used humble men, sinners. Lord, but you still had a fellowship with them. Lord, you inspired them with your Holy Spirit to write this Bible truth down for us. Lord, may we do the same thing, Lord, precept upon precept upon precept. Line upon line upon line. Here a little and there a little, Lord. So that when those times of doubt come, we will not be deceived because we have based our truth, our knowledge of who you are, on your word, not on the word of someone else. Help us, Lord, and come soon. In your name I pray. Amen.